Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for, for fathers today. Um, Lord, we pray that you would bless them, equip them, speak to them as we share your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise and worship, thank you so much for the praise and worship and always edifying us um, through praise and worship. But let's start with the sermon this morning. Family, next to being a husband, the role of a father, any man can and has the potential to assume. And when we believers talk about fathers, we don't just talk about someone who puts bread on the table, but we are talking about someone who, 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 who provides emotionally as well as spiritually for his children. Now, that is what a father is. Psychology and sociology has proven time and time again that no figure has a greater impact on the moral stability of society than that of a father. We see the evidence all over the world. Even in today's life, we see the evidence all over the world. I read a statistic that 90% of people, whether it's young people or older people or or children in a prison, um, uh, young or old, uh, did not have a father figure in their life while growing up i saw another statistic on atheism where the reason why this writer says that people stop believing in the existence of god was because of a broken relationship they had with their father let's come a bit let's get a bit closer to home um, around 63 percent of births registered in cape town in 2018 had no information on the father's Research conducted by the Human Sciences Research Council and the South African Race Relations Institute over a period of five years showed that 60% of South African children have absent fathers. More than 40% of South African mothers are single parents. If these statistics are true, how much are you studying To be the best possible father you can be. You don't become a father when you have have biological children. You become a father to someone when you started to influence them and mentoring them in any way. How much are you studying to be the best version of a father you can be? Now I'm not a biological father. But there's many young people in my life which I have adopted as as my own, whom I father in that sense. A soup kitchen can ward off hunger pains when feeding children, but there is a hunger that no soup kitchen can ever satisfy. And that is the need for an earthly father in the life of children. And I want to encourage members of Impact Church and those listening to us from far, Do not wait till you are a biological father to be a father. But if you are a born again believer, you are already called by God to father a fatherless generation. And so this morning, I want to share with you a few things, a few thoughts that our heavenly father taught me through my earthly father. Let's start with the first Thought, thought that, he, that he taught me, it is to teach your children how to inherit eternal life. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength. 
These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and buy them, bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gate. Now, in Luke chapter 10 verse 25, a lawyer who was an expert in the mosaic, in the mosaic, the Jewish mosaic law and the rabbinical law, was asking Jesus what he need to do to inherit eternal life in order to test Jesus. Jesus responded by asking him, what the law says because i mean he is so clever he is a lawyer you should know what the law says and then this lawyer quoted deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 which we just read now but it didn't end there the lawyer tried to justify himself uh, by saying that he does love god with everything in him but yet jesus took it one step further by challenging challenging this lawyer that our love for god is shown how we show mercy to our neighbors that is our love for god that's how we inherit eternal life that's how we love god by loving others by loving our neighbors that's how we inherit eternal life pastor colin explained this point uh, so beautiful last week in his sermon when he when he said when he explained to us how he took his children with him on outreaches in neighboring communities so that his children can learn the love of god by loving their neighbors today his children are doing exactly the same when he feels there's a cause to give for um, they can give and, and they can give to that cause because they love their neighbors they love god through loving their neighbors through looking after their neighbors and because of that they inherit eternal life i remember as a young man growing up um, there was a time where i asked my mom to put in extra sandwiches to school so i can give it to the kids that didn't bring any lunch to school um because at that time i was i was at a school i was on a farm school so 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 it was amongst farm kids and we all had half our um half our uniforms and it was the norm and some kids wouldn't come to school with any lunch and then i asked my mom family our kids need to understand that to love god means to love our neighbors and showing mercy to them and through that they will inherit eternal life once we teach this to the next generation this will put an end to racism this will put an end to poverty this will put an end to riots and whatever is destroying this world but as long as we isolate our children from these things and teach them not to love our neighbors by practicing it we can never put an end to, 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 to what's destroying this world and humanity currently. But it starts today with the fathers of this world that we need to teach our children to love our neighbors and show mercy to them. And in that way, we love God and inherit eternal life. Our children need to know this. The second thought, the second lesson my God taught me through the life of my dad, my, my dad, is, is, is to respect all people. Now, there's this quote in this, in the, in this world that says that, you have to, uh, that, that for you to get respect, you have to give respect. In other words, the only way I will respect you is if you respect me. 
The only condition you will get my respect is if you respect me first. That, that, that's how the world works. That's how the world thinks. Now, 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 now. But this goes against the very grain of what Jesus is teaching through his life and in scripture. I remember as a child, one of my friend's parents who was working for my dad, coming to my dad and telling him that I was disrespecting him and his wife when they tried to correct us because of what we did. Now, I didn't get a hiding that day for being naughty. I got a hiding because I disrespected someone that was older than me. The issue was not about who was right and who was wrong at that point. The issue was I didn't show respect to someone who was correcting me. I interpreted it as being disrespectful towards me because, I mean, who are you? You are working for my father. You cannot disrespect uh, me. And yet my dad came from a point of view where while he's a grown man, he's older than you. So you are going to get corrected now because you disrespected someone that is older than you. That day, I learned one of the most hardest but best lessons in my entire life that even today helped me as a grown-up. There's no such thing as to, to in order to, get, to, to, to give respect, you have to get respect. We as followers of Jesus Christ respect people regardless of whether they show us respect or not. Because we walk in humility. The same respect you have for Jesus when he would walk into, our, into your house is the same kind of respect we must have for one another as believers in Jesus Christ. I listened to a, a sermon a, a few days ago where this pastor, he's not an AFM pastor. Um, we AFM pastors are not like that. <laughs> where, where this pastor was going on about respecting the anointing and the grace that's upon your pastor's life and that you must treat them you must treat your pastors and your leadership with the utmost respect, etc. And I, I agree with that, but I was thinking, he, he stopped there. I was thinking to myself, if only believers, brothers and sisters in the Lord, would treat each other and the world with a, in the same way they treat their pastors, whew, it will change the face of the church if only believers respected one another the same way they respected God and they respected their leaders in the church it will change the face of the church this world will be a different place in a few years time this reminds me of the grace and mercy Jesus had shown on the world when he hung on that cross not only physically, but emotionally scarred by the very people he was dying for, making fun of him, um, uh, ripping his clothes apart, shouting names at him and disrespecting him in his capacity as the savior of all mankind. This is what Jesus prayed for them. While he was hanging there, helpless on that cross, he had the ability to, to wipe them off the face of the earth with a thought, because this is God hanging there. His prayer for them was the following. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. Jesus showed respect to people up until death. There's never been a time where Jesus was under pressure 
and, 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 and he lost his mind and he, he lost respect for people. He challenged people, but he never disrespected people. How much more the church needs to teach our children to respect all people all the time, even if it means we are staring death in the face. Family, we need to get to that place where we teach, where respect becomes a virtue of our children again. Where we teach our children to respect one another, to respect the world, to respect each other, to respect everything, to respect people. Whether they come from wealthy backgrounds, uh, whether they come from poor backgrounds, whether they are a waiter or the manager or whatever. But we need to teach our children respect again. The third point that I would like to make is this, that correction is a gift. Correction is a gift. This is the third lesson that, that I've learned from my dad. Now, Hebrews uh, says that for the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. My dad loved me so much that he never missed a chance to correct me, whether it was through a hiding or other means of correction. Let me, let, let me, let me, let me say that to you again. My dad loved me so much that he never missed a chance to correct me, whether it was through a hiding or an other means of discipline. Let me, let me explain it to you a bit more. I remember asking my dad, but why do I get disciplined so much? And yet my other friends can do what they want and, and their parents are and there are no, absolutely no consequences to any of their actions. And my dad sat me down and explained to me that, that, that he loves me so much that he would do anything in his power to make sure I don't deviate from the road he is putting me on. It is out of love that a parent corrects his or her child. And my dad wanted to make sure I become an asset to society one day and not a liability to society. At that moment and long after that, I didn't understand what he meant because in my mind and what the TV taught me was that parents who love their children don't correct them but leave them to do whatever they want to do. A few years later, I remembered, uh, I remembered this as if it was yesterday. It was the last correction I ever received from my dad. Um, that, yeah, that I, that I ever received from my dad. Um, I don't remember what I did, but I remember seeing tears running down his cheeks as he was correcting me. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit ministered to me saying that that's how much it hurts your dad when you are out of line and he has to correct you because of what you did. Because not only did he feel like, a, did, did, did your dad feel like a failure at that moment, but he is trying so hard that you don't become a failure. Because if you do, your parents will blame themselves and always wonder where did they go wrong in their parenting that you ended up in prison or, 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 did, or maybe murdered someone or, or hurt um, people in society. 
It was as if the light went on for me that day. It changed my perception of God's correction in our lives and how we as believers should correct one another because of our love for one another. Because of the fact that we don't want my, I don't want my fellow brother or sister to deviate from the road that God has put them on. And this as a believer, not as a pastor, as a believer, I believe it is the job of all believers to correct one another, to help keep each other on the path so that we don't deviate from the path. Because remember, you, don't, you won't even know if you have deviated the path that God has put you on. You won't even realize that. And that's why someone else sees it. And in love, we correct one another and walk with one another. Jesus here talks in Matthew chapter 18 verse 15 to 17 to his disciples about correcting one another. He says the following. He says, if, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If other persons listens and confesses it you have won that person back but if you are unsuccessful take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses if the person still refuses to listen take your case to the church then if he or she won't accept the church's decision treat that person as a pagan a pagan or a corrupt text collector. Those are Jesus' instruction. Family, never let your children think or reach a place where correction is a bad thing. Because it is not a bad thing at all. If Jesus thought about it, then surely this is something we need to teach our children. As this is one of the tools in life. They cannot live without. They will always be corrected. And they will always have to correct other people. We shouldn't be hiding from correction. Instead, we should embrace correction. Correcting one another and being corrected by another person. That is the life of the believer. Family, correction is not the enemy. Correction is every believer's best friend when it's done in love and rightfully. The fourth and final point um, that, um, that my dad taught me, which I want to share with you fathers today, is that women are precious. Let me say this again. Women are precious. I believe even in the times that we are living in now, especially in South Africa, we must engrave this in the hearts of the young man that we are raising. They need to understand and live it that women are precious. I never, I've never by the grace of God seen my dad raise his hands to my mom. I've never seen him do that to any other woman as a matter of fact. I've always seen him equip and encourage my mom to do better in whatever she does. When I look at the example of Jesus, I see that even in Jesus' male-dominated world, women were precious to him. Jewish culture in the first century was decidedly pa patriarchal. The daily prayers of Jewish men included this prayer of thanksgiving saying, Praises be to God, 
that he has not made me a woman. That's how women were turned on. But Jesus defies these expectations in at least four ways, which I'm going to mention to you. I, would, I don't have the time to go into detail about these things. So I'm just going to mention, but you find all these points in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But, but number one that I want to say, uh, how Jesus defied this that by showing woman is precious, is he spoke to woman in public. Which was totally unheard of for a Jewish rabbi to address a woman in public. Jesus did that because women were precious to him. He had respect and compassion on women. Number two, Jesus recognizes the dignity of men in situations that's of, 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 of women. Sorry, Jesus recognizes the dignity of women in situations that seem by ritual law to demand judgment. For example, the sinful woman who anoints Jesus' feet and, the, um, and that of the woman caught in adultery, Luke chapter 7, verse 35 to 50, and John chapter 8, verse 3 to 11. We see those examples how Jesus dignifies women. The third point is he had women as his disciples. Jesus steps over the expected boundaries between men and women by his acceptance of women as disciples. Unlike rabbis of his day, Jesus taught women about scripture and his way of love. The fourth point, the final point, and how, and how Jesus, I'm sure there's many more um, about how Jesus respected women, is the gospel writers also assures us that they were prominent recipients of Jesus' self-revelation. Jesus tells the Samaritan woman at the well that he is the Messiah. And then she went and went to go and tell people. That's who Jesus is. Now, if you are a Christian man claiming to follow Jesus Christ, there's an expectation on you to treat women just as Jesus treated women. That is the only way we can change the perception of women in our society. Respect and love women the way Jesus did. A son starts learning how to treat a woman by the example his father sets for him. Little eyes are watching when you least expect it. And don't think for a second that your son won't end up with your character traits. The identity we give women in our minds will govern the way we choose to treat them. There is one word that can be used to sum up how men should learn to perceive women, and that is precious. It may be a paradigm shift for men to think of women in this way, but if we view them as such, God will be pleased with how we treat his daughters. Teach your son from an early age to regard women as they are precious. And let's follow Jesus' perfect example. On how we should treat women in our modern times. May the men in this church set the example of how we treat women. May the women in this church um, uh, that come from impact church be the most successful in what they do. Because of the way we as men of impact church value and treat and love the women in our lives. Whether it is your mom, your sister, your wife, your daughters. May they be more successful 
Because how we perceive them, as Christ perceives them, is precious. I want to conclude. Remember that you are not just a father, but you are and always will be a son. And you can't teach what you haven't learned. Ask the Father to take you deeper into the understanding of each of these principles so that you can teach your sons and grandsons to carry them into future generations. God has given you the privilege of being a father, but they are His sons first and your second. You are simply a steward of what He has given you. So shepherd your sons in the way that they should go family fathers happy father's day may this be a guideline for you on how to be a father in the world out there family let's let's pray for our fathers today if there's a father in your house uh, why don't you just hold his hand lay your hands on him as a family and let's pray for our dads um, there's a lot of pressure on them let's pray for them uh, if if you don't have a dad in the house, it's okay. God's your father. He will look after you. I want to say to single moms, it's okay. God knows what you're going through with an absent dad, with an absent father figure for your children. But he's also put other men in the lives of your children to be that father figure, to be his hands and feet in your children's lives. So don't, don't feel discouraged that this is only for fathers and for dads. But by the grace of God, He has put other healthy men in the lives of your children so that they can have that positive father figure, that godly father figure in their lives. And I want to say to men, if you know of any single woman, you're a married man, and uh, you know of any single woman that, 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 that has children that needs a father figure in their life, why don't you be that godly person to them? that godly father figure and be there for their children. May God bless you in that. Let's pray together. Father, we want to pray for all our fathers. Lord, it's a difficult task, but you have called us for a time such as this. I pray that you would equip our fathers. I pray that you would change the hearts of our fathers, that they would think more, them, more, of, themse more of themselves than not just only as people to put bread on the table, people to provide, but, but that, you would, that you would bring our fathers to a place where they would be emotionally and spiritually involved in the lives of their children. Father, I pray that you would equip them. I pray that you would give them peace. It's a past honest thing because this is an enormous task that's put in front of us, but we know that through you and with you, all things are possible through Christ who gives us who gives us strength. Father, secondly, I want to pray for single moms who may be discouraged because there's no father figure in, in the lives of their children. I pray that you would bless our single moms. I pray that you would give them peace in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you would connect them with godly men um, in, in the also in the lives of their children so that they can help disciple the next generation. Lord, may our children never be the product of the mistakes that we have made. Lord, we pray that you would protect our children against our mistakes and our brokenness. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Happy Father's Day, family.